What's up, everyone? It's the Indie Handshake Wrestling Podcast. I'm here with my buddy Jesus Cruz. How are we doing today, Jesus Cruz? Good. I'm giving you the Indie Handshake right there. Yeah, it's just a little Indie Handshake for you. No pain, brother. All PDD Ponte. Uh... I noticed we went with uh, you went with the LWO shirt. I went with the uh, the Bestia six 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 shirt. I knew we were going to be talking some lucha, so oh yeah, got to represent, man. Absolutely. Uh, so for those, I've never, I've never owned an LWO shirt when LWO was hot, and I, it's kind of like okay, now when there's adult, I can buy whatever I want. So yeah, like, there you yeah. go. <laughs> well, now especially before, like if unless you went to a show, you didn't get a shirt. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, like if you unless you like you know there was a house show nearby and you went to whatever like now you can just get whatever shirt online that you feel like. Yeah, and I I maybe have been at two WCW shows because I was so like pro WWF kind of like a brand thing Coke Pepsi thing. So yeah, I was always more WCW, but that's that's the way it goes, man. Uh, So to quote the great uh, Ronnie Washington, what was that? To quote the great uh, referee Ronnie Washington, sometimes just that's the way it goes. Sometimes that's the way it goes. Uh, so go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, what your involvement is in the world of independent pro wrestling and so forth. Sure. So my name is Jesus Cruz, not to be confused with the brown snake, Jesus Cruz, which is a wrestler. I remember the Ballard Brothers one time came up to me at a big time wrestling show and they go, I think we're working you. It's like, no, dude, it's, there's another Jesus Cruz. Uh, my involvement with uh, pro wrestling, or um, mainly in Northern California, was uh, video Video production, uh, video editor, uh, kind of a jack of all trades. I've done promoting. Uh, so, yeah, that's, uh, and this is uh, what, shit, it's like 20, 20 years now. 20 years ago is when I first got into it. Yeah, we're not kids anymore. <laughs> I have a kid now. There you go. Yeah, we got we got grays appearing in the hair and beard. Oh, we're, uh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Dang. Uh, so, uh, being involved in the indie wrestling world, you've seen a lot of madness, especially when it comes to, you know, working with lucha shows, indie shows, all that stuff. Uh, you know, I guess start with, you know, what would you think the differences are between a regular old indie show and a lucha indie show? What do you think the deal is? Um, I mean, there's a lot of similarities. Um, the wrestling uh, in lucha, there's a lot more uh, flashy moves, uh, a lot more quick pace matches, I would say. Uh, the crowd interaction is kind of the same. Uh, I definitely would say the Lucha crowd is a little bit rowdier, maybe. Um, they like to be involved in matches, uh, have a yell at the rudos, at the at the heels. And, um, you know, they let their kids cuss at, during the shows and wrestling, which I think is, uh, is hilarious. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, the main uh, uh, difference would be it's a little bit more flashier um, style. Okay. Yeah, and then... Uh, I noticed that, especially at your Lucha shows that I used to go to, uh, fans would literally like run from the back row to the front row just so they could yell at the wrestler when the wrestler was outside the ring in the yeah, middle of the match, yeah. not during entrances, like in the middle of the match. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. Um, and, and it causes a problem sometimes because, you know, uh, you know, we have one walkway for the wrestlers to come in and out of. And, you know, a match will end. And what happens as soon as the match ends, the people are crowding that that area so they're you know getting their autographs and i would always tell like the luchadors that work for me is like dude just move to the side or to the to the back you know because it's the next match is coming and i really find it tacky especially when you're recording it that you know the other wrestlers are coming out for the next match and there's still guys from the other one signing autographs and like they're in the way you know yeah 
Yeah, it's a, it, it looks odd. It, it breaks the, uh, the the fourth wall there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're all in the same area. Like, why aren't they attacking each other then? He's yeah, a bad I mean, guy. He's a good guy. Yeah, especially like uh, some shows I used to go to in San Jose uh, for FMLL, Fuerza Mexicana de Lucha Libre. It's like, yeah, mean mascaras and them in the ring. You know, the match is going on. And there's people like <laughs> go up there to sign autographs. So they'll, they'll kind of go over and sign autograph and then pay attention to the match. That's wow. wild. Man. So uh, you you mentioned uh, getting into pro wrestling, but you've done more than just you know just recording the wrestling. You've also booked shows. You've done all that. Uh, so how did you find the transition going from you know just helping out at shows, doing camera, video editing, and blah blah, and then you know eventually booking your own stuff? What did you learn? And did you go back to other bookers you knew for advice on what to do, or how did how did the transition? You know, how did you find that? So- uh, yeah, so I started in, um, I got involved in like 1997. I was uh, taking this course during high school. It was called ROP, Regional Occupation Program. It was for students that kind of had an idea what they wanted to do for a career. So they offered like nursing, uh, nursing program. They had auto body uh, and they also had a TV broadcasting class. So I wasn't interested in that. So I signed up and um, our classroom was a TV studio in Newark. And so you were very hands-on, you know, you got to work with the cameras, direct shows, do audio. Well, it turns out that that studio is where Bay Area Wrestling used to hold shows, Woody Former and Mae Young used to hold shows there. And then uh, Big Time Wrestling, Kirk White started doing shows at the at the studio as well. So one day, you know, the instructor's like, hey, by the way, we're going to have pro wrestling here tonight or next week. Um you know, Jesus, if you want to direct one of the shows. And I was like, oh, you know, I was already pro wrestling fan. So being that involved with him was really excited. I didn't get to direct that day. He was kind of like ribbing me. It was some other established director, but I still got to do camera. And that's where I met guys like, you know, Kirk White, Shane Cody, Jason Styles um, was working through there. So I ended up uh, working with Big Time Wrestling and doing their videos, their highlight videos, their you know, recording their shows, you as well, you were there uh, yeah. alongside with your cousin, Luis Costa and uh, Bobby Medic. So, yeah, it was cool, man. And, you know, especially that young, you know, 17 and you're uh, working with guys like, uh, you know, Chris Kirk would bring in like the WWF guys, you know, D'Lo Brown, Al Snow, Val Venus, Undertaker, all those guys. So it was cool to interact at a young age with these big stars. Yeah, I remember working uh, with big time wrestling, you know. And I'd be in the back taking photos of the workers because that's what they, I had to do before the matches started. And it's yeah. like, you know, I'm sitting there and there's just like Bret Hart just sitting right yeah. there. And it's kind of like, you know, you try not to mark out, but at the same time, you're like, that's Bret Hart. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. and, uh, you know, he's not necessarily the most social guy, but he's, he was yeah. very nice. And I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. Uh, so how did you yeah. find, especially, okay, so now we got, uh, later on you ended up, we'll get back into what you ended up doing after that, but... How did you find as far as like working with big guys, uh, you know, WWE guys or at the time WWF, WCW guys, any guys that Kirk brought like or anyone else at any shows you went to? How did you find them as far as them in an indie atmosphere when they're normally, you know, working stadiums? Uh, They were very, uh, for the most part, everybody was very loose and very, uh, you know, you can tell that it was kind of not a day off for them, but it was they were having fun. You know, it's Mm -hmm. not like corporate. It's not, you know. They can have fun with the crowd. They can have fun backstage. I was surprised that we were even able to bring our camera backstage and interview. Uh, you know, I remember interviewing Reckless Youth, D-Lo. Uh, <laughs> I remember after 
Val Venus's match, we were backstage and you had your little camera, the little uh, disposal. Was it a disposal camera? I you think, just, you know, yeah, it was you, a disposal camera back in the day. I was a kid. Yeah, you, I was like, what, 14? Yeah. Something like that. And you were like, you were just like back there and we were interviewing D'Lo and them, and then you just yelled, hey, Val. And you had your camera like this and then Val had nothing but a towel on. And then yeah. he just for you. Yeah. He would, he would full on and uh, he's like, all right. Boom! Pose mode, baby. What's up, <laughs> yeah. kid? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I still have that. I still have that picture. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, yeah. Also, I remember. Uh, we're, we're not going to say the name because the they might not have been super cordial at first. They were cool after, but uh, I remember we went back there, and uh, one of the the pro workers was like, "Why the fuck is there a camera back here?" <laughs> we we're like, "Uh," <laughs> and then he yeah. was cool after that, but he was yeah. uh, at at first he was like uh, he he was caught off guard. I'll say. Yeah, no, the worst the worst interaction I had was uh it was probably the first show I did with Kirk for Kirk uh was uh it was in San Jose. I forgot I think it was at the fairgrounds and he had uh Mankind uh who was a champion at WWF champion at the time and uh it was the day before he had that uh I quit match with The Rock. Mm-hmm. Uh the one that made an, uh, that was on Beyond the Mat. Uh so he was there for autograph signing and he was cool. He was he was you know very nice, very cool. But also on that show was Virgil from WWF and uh, WCW, and he was a dick, man. Well, he's he now was, become a viral sensation because yeah, of how big of a dick lonely, he is. Lonely Virgil. Yeah. Lonelyvirgil.net. I haven't checked that site in a while. But, yeah, no, he was, you know, like I said, I was 17 years old, and everybody was cool with me taping everything except for Virgil. He came up to me, and he's like, hey, you record my match. Ted Turner going to crush you. Vince McMahon will crush you. I'm like, what the fuck? You know, the hell is this guy talking about? So, yeah, that was uh, at that young age. I'm like, okay, yeah, some of these guys are going to be dicks. Dude, 99%, I'm sure, the only reason he even worked for WCW was because DiBiase was at WCW at the time. Most likely, yeah. Because that's that's like what Bischoff used to do. Like, if, if somebody wanted their friend to work there, he would just be like, all right. He's all give him a paycheck. Why not? You know, and so like the, there were tons of wrestlers you see there. You're like, why is this guy here? You're like, oh, because he's friends with that that dude. All right, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, and and he loved DiBiase being you know, and plus they were both in the NWO. It was like a whole yeah. thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. I remember uh, during an autograph signing that I did uh, I that I helped out at. Huh? I think it was a redneck at one point. They had the whole redneck gimmick. Oh, yeah, 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 he did, yeah. The West yeah. Texas Rednecks. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, yeah, I didn't have... Uh, th- he wasn't a dick, although he was very quiet, which is Brock Lesnar. But a fan did... Uh, one of the guys who came up tried to start a fight with him. Oh, shit. And uh, the guy was... He was tall. He was like 6'2", 6'3". But he no. was also like super thin. And I was like, what is this dude doing? And he like... The first thing he did was he just walked up to the autograph table and he slammed his hands down. And he went, <laughs> you ain't shit! And Brock Lesnar had a look on his face. Was this and in I'm Hayward? Sure, huh? Was this in Hayward? I think so. <laughs> I, Brock Lesnar had a look on his face that I'm sure only a few people have seen, which was like he started slowly rising up, and then all the, and then all the security guys were like, "Oh, everything's gonna be okay," oh, and they like kind of ushered the guy out. And I was like, "This dude was about to get destroyed by Brock Lesnar." <laughs> yeah. No. Stuff like that is just, you know, and speaking of crazy fan interactions, you know, I'm sure you've seen one or two. We've talked a little bit about the uh, the crazy Lucha fans a little bit. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I think that one of the craziest things I've seen at a Lucha show was, again, at a FMLL show in San Jose at the Civic. You know, I would help them out when they when they would come up here. They're a promotion based, Lucha promotion based out of L.A., and they would come to San Jose about every five, six months maybe. And so I would always help them out, and uh, this particular match was the main event. It was El Hijo del Santo and Blue Demon Jr. versus Rey Mysterio Sr. and, and Psychosis, original Psychosis. And this lady uh, would, dur during the, throughout the whole show, she would just get in the ring and start dancing for no reason. And this lady was not, like, was not easy on the eyes, you know. She was wearing very skimpy clothes. She was, you know, visibly drunk. And she How would old just was she, there. would you say? Um, I would say she's probably in her 50s. And, uh, get it, girl. She, get it. Yeah, I, have, I, have, I have a video of it. Uh, <laughs> So what she was doing is that she would just go up. So Rey Mysterio and everybody came out, you know, Andrew just came out and she got up there and she started dancing with Rey Mysterio and Rey Mysterio was humoring her, you know, he got in there and started freaking her a little bit. You know, first fall happens and they're getting ready for the second fall and this lady gets up again and she starts dancing and dancing and this time they had to push her away. Well, as she was getting out of the ring, the match was already happening. Rey Mysterio Sr. and Hijo Santo were already outside brawling and then you can tell them planning it. And then uh, Rey Mysterio grabs El Hijo de Santo and whips him right onto this lady as she's getting out of the ring and just like, boom! You just heard the sickest thud ever. All the other workers in the back were peeking their head out of the curb, like, what happened? And Santo's okay, or what happened? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, no, it was, it was wild. I mean, you and I have seen a kid get, you know, beat up in a, at a big time show, this juggalo kid that walked in and tried to fight one of the wrestlers. Yeah, I have a question though. Uh, the woman who got knocked over, yeah, she tuck, she tuck, she tuck her chin, brother. No, no, she had no time, dude. She went, oh. she went face plant, dude, straight up. Damn. There's one thing we've learned from talking to wrestlers is you always tuck your chin, brother. Yeah. Got oh man. Uh, so let's get a little bit more into the booking side of things. So after doing some video production, how did you transfer into the booking side? Uh, so after doing, so after doing video for a big time for, from 97 to like 2000, uh, Louis Costa, my buddy who, uh, I, I've done a lot of production with, we went to all pro wrestling. They were, they were looking for, uh, media personnel. Uh, we were there for a year and then there was a falling out between all pro wrestling some workers. Like they had like a split in their roster and half of them went to pro wrestling iron uh, so we went to, with Pro Wrestling Iron, and um, this is like in 2001, 2002. And um, so we were doing production for Iron, and then I just thought of like, you know what? I'm going to I want to promote a show, you know? I've, I've, I've been doing a lot of video production. I, I know a lot of these guys. So I went to uh, Modest and Donovan Morgan and Frank Murdoch from Pro Wrestling Iron, and uh, I talked to them like, hey, because... Uh, I was doing shows for them. I was helping them out the show, sorry. And uh, I told them, hey, I want to I promote a show in San Francisco. I want to try it out. I found this venue. It looks really nice. And they're like, yeah. You're like, well, whatever you need. So they let me borrow the ring for free. You know, uh, I was training. You were training there as well. So we had everyone that was in the class uh, helping us do ring crew and stuff. So, yeah. Um, and by then I found the reason I wanted to do like a Lucha show is because I found this guy uh, named Roquero del Diablo. He's a wrestler. Um, 
and I met him through a FMLO show. I was also doing flyers for Kirk uh, for Big Time Wrestling in Spanish. I was translating them, and I left the flyer on a in a car at FMLO show, and Roquero found it and he called me. He goes, "Hey, I used to wrestle in Mexico. I uh, haven't wrestled in forever. You know, is there a place I can go and train?" So I brought him into Pro Wrestling Iron, and that's he started training. So I'm like, "Damn, there's got to be more guys like him." out here in the Bay that used to work and they just don't know that there's wrestling up here. Yeah. So I, took a, I took an ad on the newspaper that says, Hey, if you want to train or if you ever worked before, call me. So yeah, that's how our promotion got started. Promociones Califa. And, uh, yeah, it was, you know, it, it was uh, nerve wracking the first show, you know, I lost a lot of money, but it was fun at the same time. We had, uh, crash Holly was there. He had just been released. Uh, and he's working for TNA. So Donovan and Mike called him in as a favor, you know, he um he really wasn't you know about money or anything like i had an opportunity to talk with crash and he was cool he was like yeah man i just want to have a good time you know so he ended up guest refereeing uh michael um, uh he guest refereed a match between michael modest and donovan morgan for the uh pro wrestling noah ghc junior weight uh heavyweight title um so yeah it was fun i had guys from la from rev pro uh scorpio sky was in it in yeah. there was he masked at the time Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I had guys from XPW. Uh, I didn't have Luke Hawks. That's another story. <laughs> I didn't have him uh, twice. Uh, but that's, yeah, that's another story. You know, Vic Grimes was there, Vinny Massaro, a lot of guys from Iron, Sarah Del Rey. Um, you know, it was fun. It was, you know, it was, like I said, it was nerve wracking. I lost some money, but the people had a good time. And people still to this day talk about that show because it did have, it did have everything. A little bit of everything in there. Yeah, and it was a little bit of a different uh, like atmosphere. Like, talk about the venue a bit. The venue wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't a bingo hall. It wasn't a high school gym. Yeah, no, it was a nightclub called uh, Rocapulco in on uh, Mission Street, and uh, they've had wrestling there before. I think twice before I did it there. There, this guy named Chango Loco did some lucha shows there. He brought in like Mil Mascara, Super Parka, La Parka, you know. Um, so I forgot how I think Jason Styles is the one that told me about that venue because he worked one of those shows and uh, yeah sure enough it was it's like a two uh, story venue and it's a nightclub so you can be up there with your drink and just watch the show from from above and I don't know it was really cool really cool venue yeah and yeah they had like booths on the side you could just sit in a booth eat your dinner yeah. watch watch some wrestling going on it was pretty cool yeah, yeah. I dug that place uh, so now you're talking now we're talking a little bit about working with the guys. Uh, we, we got to, you know, interact with dudes from Japan coming over, dudes from Mexico coming over. And, uh, we talked a bit about Crash Holly and Crash Holly also, you know, like when I got to talk to him when I was there helping out with Iron as well, like he was one of those guys where, you know, he just got let go from the WWE. He easily could have been jaded and been yeah. kind of like, you know, like he had his friends there, modest in them and he could have easily just been like kind of nice to them and can been kind of whatever to everyone else. But he was yeah. very nice. Like that one, that was one of the wrestler deaths that hit pretty hard. Cause I was like. This dude was a legit nice guy, man. Yeah, yeah. No, he, I mean, he died shortly after that that show that he did because um, we were supposed to have him back. One of the coolest parts of, of my first show was the fact I was like, you know what? We got Big Rhymes here. We got Crash Holly, and they've had, they've had a history, you know, from all pro wrestling and from WWF, uh, and they legit had some heat with each other. Um, so I'm like, oh, dude, let me see if I can get them to, to work, you know. Uh, and yeah, sure enough, they did a promo, you know, after, um, uh, after the match that Crash Holly refed, you know, 
we hit Big Grimes music and the people that knew their history was like, oh shit, yeah, yeah. So Big Grimes comes in the ring and they start shooting on each other. Uh, so that was, you know, that was intense. That was cool. But unfortunately, we never got to do the match because he passed away uh, a couple months after that. Yeah. So as far as, uh, you know, like the luchadors and stuff, like how would the any interesting moments with like the bigger luchadors that you've that you've brought in over the years? Um, uh, so for that, for my first show, I brought in Scorpio Jr., uh, who was working CMLL at the time in IWRG. And he was working the uh, Taliban uh, gimmick at the time. It was right after 9-11. So, of course. What, so many promotions. Most, so what is the most heatless thing you can do? Oh, let's, I'm the Taliban now. Yeah, that was, it was like the 80s with, uh, with Iran-Contra and everything. Like everyone, yeah. yeah, then after that, everyone had to have that gimmick. There's so many he, sheiks. <laughs> even he knew, like, I'm not even going to do that. Like, I'll do it in Mexico all day long. But he's like, I'm not going to do it in the States. So he didn't want yeah. to do which is fine. I didn't want him to do it either. I'm like, yeah, just be Scorpio Jr. Uh, one of the funny uh, thing about that is that uh, when I picked him up at the airport, I asked him, uh, hey, do you do you need anything? Do you want anything? Uh, and he goes, oh, yeah, see, 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 Hennessy, Hennessy. I'm like, oh, fuck. And this fool wants to start drinking already. You know, it's early in the morning. Is he going to show up drunk to the show? You know, I'm like, ah, oh, damn it. And I'm like, you know, I'm young. So it was my first show. I'm like, all right, sir, you know. So I take him to this, uh, it was this liquor store in like East Palo Alto. And we get a location to bring him to a liquor store. <laughs> and he's like looking around like, what the hell's going on? So I go over to the liquor cabinet and I grab a bottle of Hennessy and I was like, Hennessy. And he's staring at me and I'm like, Hennessy. And he goes, no, 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 no. Hennessy. He was trying to say GNC, the vitamin shop, the vitamin store. And I'm like, oh, and then he starts laughing. He's like, oh, you thought I was, like, I wanted a drink? So, yeah, it turns out he, you know, he was cool. He was very professional. He wasn't trying to drink or nothing. So, but, I, yeah, he's probably yeah, thinking, so, anything like, this guy is already starting to drink this early in the morning. Yeah, he, he thought the same thing you were thinking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, how about as far as, uh, how about the people that, you know, when they come, do you find that most people tend to work pretty well when they're doing an indie show? Or do you think... Some of them use that as, like you said, a little bit like a vacation where they're like, ah, I can kind of maybe yeah, slack I mean, off a bit. Yeah, I don't know. I think it depends also on uh, who they're working. You know, if it's somebody that they, they don't know, they're not sure if they're safe or not, they'll, they might take it a little bit easier and just rely on, you know, their charisma or, you know, whatever they're known for in their home promotion or big promotion. Um, but I don't know. I, personally, like the people that I brought in, uh, have put in like work, have worked hard for the crowd. Uh, so I don't think I've ever had a bad experience of, of someone just kind of phoning it in and, and, uh, just be like, whatever. Okay. Uh, any more, uh, interesting fan reactions that you can remember now that we're moving into the booking side, anything where you're like, okay, we can't, we can't have this dude at the show. This is, this is not good. Anything in that nature. There was, there was one, uh, guy that would come to, to our shows in Hayward uh, when we were doing shows at this gym. Um, very passionate guy. Uh, he, he was there every show, and he'd, he'd cheer. He'd be loud. He'd bring his family, too. So, he, he you know, he, he bought a lot of tickets. But this he was, fan of, he was a fan of this one guy named Commando Infernal, who's a face. And at one point during the match, you know, the, the Rudos were just stomping on the fuck. They're 
piling up on on him. And when the Rudo went out to the <clears throat> to to the uh, out out of the ring, this fan out of nowhere, and I was there recording it, out of nowhere, just comes in and fucking sweeps his legs right underneath him, and this guy hits himself on the fucking apron. And he's like, you know, leave him alone, leave him alone. Like this guy could not de- like, you know, he, he couldn't fucking realize like, dude, this is it's still real to me, Bendejo. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm like, oh, what the fuck? And, I, you know, and I'm still recording. I'm over there pushing the guy back and trying to talk to him. I think you can hear me. Like, I'm still recording, and I'm talking to him like, hey, no, no, I got so. No, I got so. You know? Now you're cameraman and booker and security all at one time, and you're like, uh, what do I yeah. do here? Yeah, dude. I mean, um, I think that's a reason why I, I, I go in and out of, of wrestling and, and promoting because a lot of times I'm taking, like, the, I'm doing everything, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, I need to delegate better, but I don't know. I, I enjoy it, but yeah, that well, was. Yeah, at some point, you were doing you were doing the ring announcing. You were doing uh, the bell. You were doing camera. You were booking yeah. the show. You were putting music. on the show. Yeah, the music. <laughs> I was like, dang, dude, he's doing everything right now. Yeah, I did the music for your Rockapolco show. Yeah, and that time, uh, a bunch of wrestlers decided to show up with no entrance music. Yeah, they were just like, "You got something we could use, right?" I'm like. I'm not like yeah. a DJ. I don't have music. So yeah. w- one wrestler, uh, I believe it was it was Hook, wasn't it? Maybe. I mean, he was, was, he was on there. He was, he yeah, was but I think, I think it was his CD. So uh, there's a wrestler, uh, Hook Bomberry, who wrestled in uh, APW and uh, Iron and a few other things. But he had like a CD. It was like a compilation CD. So it was like a bunch of different rap songs. And he only yeah. used one song. And it had like 12 songs on it. So I was like, well... <laughs> I was like, we got all these guys that have no music. Yeah. We got all so I so he came, after the show, he's like, Man, I think my CD was in the, had a lot of rotation tonight. I was like, Yeah, it did. Yeah, I know. Uh, when uh, when I watched I watched that show recently because I'm capturing you can see I have some of the tapes that I have here, but I'm right now, especially during this quarantine, I'm capturing all my tapes, like all my tapes from like ninety seven and on. I'm up to like five hundred matches, something like that right now. But I was watching that show, and you know, I always thought of this show like being great from top to bottom. But I'm actually watching this in real time. I'm like, "Where's the music?" I'm like, "Dude, these guys are coming out without no music, or why is this person coming out with this?" Like, I didn't remember all that, and I just rewatching it. I'm like, "Oh no!" Yeah, there's a lot of that. Well, because the show itself, when it's happening, it like blows by. It's yeah, kind of like but- the show's started and now it's over. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> it's all the other stuff that takes forever. Like putting up the ring and taking down the ring and uh, all that. Uh, uh, really hung over, putting up a ring the next day, early in the morning. Uh, dude, those are the worst, man. We, we, we'd party the day before and then show up and, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was, I think it was what, like me, you and like one or two other people putting up the whole ring. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. That's a pain in the ass. I, I, I immediately like feel for any of that. I'm like, dude, yeah, I think the worst for me, the first, the worst time to do Ring Crew was I did a show at the Oakland Metro. Uh, it was a metal Lucha Libre show, and we were just wasted. Just we we all got wasted, and now we got to fucking put the ring. You know, putting the ring up was no problem, but taking it down, and then we had to drive it to Stockton because it's a restaurant named Golden Lion. Let us borrow the ring, and um, yeah, it was a fucking nightmare. <laughs> 
people were like yakking is you know like boom put one beam away then yak oh that was horrible so as a fan of, of lucha from you know you basically when you were a kid until now like how has lucha changed in like this new age of wrestling that we have recently i was uh what mark jindrak was the first ever american cmll champion uh yeah uh i know well uh norman smiley was a champion too but he's uh but he wasn't the world champion right british I don't think he's American. Is he Canadian or is he British? I think he's British. Is he? Okay, maybe that's yeah. what it is. But I know yeah. like Ginger Act was a brother. So how has Lucha changed in the past, you know, 20, 30 years? You know what? Uh, I, I'm not even that up to speed anymore. Uh, I'll watch like highlights from CMLO here and there or on their uh, social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know a lot of guys are, are doing more uh, riskier maneuvers, you know, more high death-defying maneuvers. But that's always kind of been the norm with Lucha Libre. Um, I feel like I more know. guys are definitely doing more American shows. Yeah. Yeah. More American show, more American style. Mm-hmm. Like you, know, you have your straight Lucha Libre style, you know, uh, some people might consider it like a little too old school, like for modern luchadors that want to be more WWE style. Cause I'm pretty sure like a lot of their goals too, is to go to the WWE. So they want to kind of mold, uh, or get in, 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 get in with that style um you know they might have seen like i'm not saying mistakes from people before them but guys like essay reels you know poppy chulo you know he got released mm. uh, so maybe they want to see like why did this guy get released he was so good you know maybe i want to mold myself or maybe you know i don't know i'm kind of rambling on on that one. Oh no that's okay uh how about you know our, the indie lucha scene like what is that like now well, there's there's an actual lucha in the in NorCal. There's actually a scene now. There wasn't a scene when we started. You know, in 2003, there wasn't a lucha libre show every weekend like there was uh, well before this COVID stuff here. Yeah, uh, which is pretty crazy considering you know much like SoCal, Northern California has a high high Hispanic population, yeah. high Mexican population. The fact that there wasn't a lot going around is kind of crazy because. Yeah, yeah. The only people that were coming were uh, FMLL from LA. Like I said, every like five to six months. And um, that was it, you know, so that when we started, we were doing monthly shows in San Jose, Oakland, San Francisco. And so it picked up. And then from our group, you know, people have differences, you know, uh, so groups split up. But now they start their own group, you know, and Oakland has their own, you know, San Jose has got their own little thing now. So it was cool. You know, I'm very proud that I was part of the of, uh, starting all that. Uh, that's definitely something that I'm proud of, and um, I'm glad it is. There's today, there's like a couple of lucha schools um, in the Bay Area now, which there which there wasn't before. You know, not not all of it is good, but you know, but it's there. You know, there's a scene now, so that's something that wasn't there in 2003. Well, yeah, with with quantity doesn't always come quality, but you know, you, you can find some. It's just you know, it's yeah. it's never going to be what you want it to be, but yeah, exactly. You know. Yeah, I noticed that, especially uh, like when the Lucha shows, and I know we're, we're mostly an indie podcast, but you know when the Lucha stuff first started on WCW, I've been going through the WWE Network, kind of watching you know, the beginning of the Lucha uh, emergence on Nitro and everything, and it was pretty crazy because they just let these guys come in and just do their thing. Like it's not like it is now, where like you said, oh, you want to be part of like the WWE, WWE, you got to do the WWE style, quote unquote. Yeah. And so then everything kind of bleeds together, and nothing kind of seems original from each other. Yeah, yeah. Whereas 
now like I was watching and I was like, wow, like everyone there was doing just straight up lucha. Yeah. And if the Japanese dudes came in, they just did straight up Japanese style. And I was like, I was that was tripping me out. And I was just wondering, like, I know you haven't you said you haven't watched Lucha much recently, but I'm wondering how much that style is permeating down there. I think you said I guess they're they're trying to do more WWE style now. But like now, like most indie guys, like they have like a mix of Japanese strong style, lucha, American style. Like it's everyone kind of does a mix yeah. of everything, and it's pretty crazy. Yeah, a, yeah for sure. It's a, for sure, it's a mix for uh, of everything, especially Indian. Well, and I think watching indies is uh, what at the early stage that we did, we saw that transition. I think, like, oh yeah, shit, I noticed there- it was a lot more traditional mat based stuff when we first started out. And I'm sure you're seeing that a lot on the tapes that you're covering right now from back in the day. Yeah, well, the ones, yeah, uh, I've seen a lot more brawling, you know, stuff like that. Um, it de- it really depends on where, like, big time wrestling. I think had more like brawling, more of their style was brawling and bringing in big names. APW definitely had more technical uh, workers, like you know Michael Modest and them, and they did a wonderful job training a lot of people that, who came out and they're amazing workers, you know. Um, but yeah, no, it was cool to be, to see the transition, you know, uh, I still go to shows, you know, so it's like, damn, you know, it's like big time wrestling now is way different from big time wrestling when we, when we first, you know, yeah, the emperor era. <laughs> oh, I'm sure, I'm sure now looking back at, uh, at the shows you produced, the idea of at the time being able to release it on streaming and like immediately, like the next day, like that's insane that like, that's something that indie wrestling has now that and that's probably why indie wrestling has exploded again in like a second boom because of the internet yeah oh yeah so you know we got you mentioned uh getting the tapes together you know we're not going to talk too much on it because we got some stuff in the works as far as a nice little project but we got a lot of you know footage uh what is some of the surprising stuff you found in this footage when you now that you're looking back at it after so long um well i I have a lot of um because I was working at the TV station, uh, where they had an archive of like Bay Area wrestling uh, when like Woody Farmer was promoting and May Young, and uh, so it was. I have these matches with like Crash Holly when he first started as Johnny Pearson, uh, you know, a young Jason Styles, young Shane Cody. You know, there was that match with uh, that's already on YouTube with Chris Jericho against Shane Cody. That came from those tapes that I was able to to get from the TV station. And I'm sure that I missed a whole bunch of tapes because there was one day the station was closing. So we threw away a whole bunch of tapes. So I'm pretty sure there's a lot of stuff I couldn't save. Uh, but what I did say was, you know, it's, it's, it's old school, you know, stuff like from the early mid nineties. Um, so yeah, that's anytime I pop a tape, like, Oh shit, that's what's in here. You know? Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a, there's a lot of cool stuff. There's a lot of, uh, I have a lot of footage of training. I didn't realize how much footage of training I had at APW. Uh, you know, and you see all these guys that are on there, like Sarah Del Rey, Bison Smith, uh, you know, uh, Simon Gotch and those guys. And it's like, oh, shit, you know, this is kind of cool seeing how they started. Uh, APW used to be intense with their training, man. They had a, they had a, a conditioning coach, too. So there was a, one class that was all cardio and exercise. Uh, I have a lot of pro wrestling iron training footage, you know, Mike Modest giving everybody tips, Crash Holly giving everybody tips. I mean, I have footage of you doing a promo class, yeah. Crash Holly. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff on there. I have uh, people recording uh, voiceover for commercials, you know, Kirk White, uh, you know, promoting his shows with Edge or autograph signing, uh, you know, 
people drunk trying to read a script. <laughs> the keys, still keys, rash, the late throw up, community center. So, yeah, it's bringing, it brings back a lot of cool memories. Yeah, uh, speaking on the conditioning class in APW, uh, based on some of the indie shows I go to now, some of these places could do with a conditioning class on some yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, uh, I talk about this a lot when, whenever I talk to Luke, and we talk about Luke Hawks, and we talk about wrestling, and we talk about indie wrestling, and he's like, you know, if you don't look like a wrestler, like, no one's going to give a shit about you. Like, Yeah, I mean, uh, there was a... <laughs> I remember there was a big-time uh, wrestling event in San Jose, uh, that we were covering and uh, they booked Bison Smith and Tommy Drake from Progressing Iron. And these are two guys that were fit and, and they, they look legit big guys. You know, Bison is very impressive, you know, just seeing him and yeah, played college football, giant dude. Yeah. And I remember when their match came up, it was their first time at big time wrestling. And I remember some people saying they were right next to me. They're like, Oh, these are real wrestlers. Like it was, I never really thought about that, but the people were like, Oh, these are, these guys are real wrestlers. You know, like they, they just saw that. Yeah. It's very important. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely something that needs to be maybe taught to the, the newer generation of workers who might not. Yeah, man. I see people nowadays wrestling sweatpants. Yeah. Uh, speaking of what people wrestle, who are not vets. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, sweatpants is for before and after the show with your fanny pack out in front. That's what it is. Yeah. Sweats and a fanny pack. If my boy, if my boy Shane Cody can still rock his wrestling gear, dog, you can you can get yourself some boots and some. Exactly. Uh, speaking of what wrestlers wear to the ring, uh, any fun gimmicks that you've seen wrestlers wear over the years? Any crazy stuff? Worst ones? Best ones? Uh, I'm gonna go with the worst one. It was. Um, it was. Uh, OWA show, Oakland Wrestling Alliance or Association, I forgot what the fuck they're called. Uh, but this guy, Icebox, this guy named Icebox ran it and he hit me up because he was looking for someone to make a, a lucha mask. <laughs> so I hit him, I, I um, hooked him up with the contact and I'm like, so, and he goes, I have the best gimmick. You know, you got a little high voice. I'm not going to try to do it, but he's like, I got the best gimmick. And I'm like, what, what's, what's, it, what's up? And he goes, and he's serious. And he goes, Raider Mysterio. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Raider Mysterio. He's going to have a Raider's mask, Ray Mysterio Raider mask. I'm like, oh, okay. And then I'm like, all right, it's stupid, but okay. uh, yeah. He, and I'm like, who's, so who's, who's going to, who's going to be Raider Mysterio? And it was some kid that he was training or something like on mats somewhere in the lawn. So this is, this guy was not trained. And yeah, sure enough, Raider Mysterio came out with this shitty ass mask. Uh, these uh, garbage, fucking black garbage bag type uh, saggy pants. And it was a joke, dude. The only good thing about that match is that he had to wrestle Joe Applebomber, and Joe Applebomber gave him a stiff ass fucking clothesline. And I'm like, fuck, I do not feel sorry for this kid at all, man. He's, it looks like garbage. That is, that's even funnier because Rey Mysterio himself. Wore masks like his Spider-Man mask. Like recently, he yeah. did like a Wolverine mask. Like he already had parody masks of Rey Mysterio that he did himself. Yeah. So to do that is already stupid because he does that. Yeah, but he wanted, you know, because it was in Oakland and they wanted to capitalize on the yeah on the Rey Mysterio name and then on the Oakland Raiders name. So you know, sometimes it doesn't work that way. <laughs> He's like, get it, Ray Raider, yeah. get yeah. get it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're like, no, we get it. 
it's just not good. Yeah. <laughs> I know he had the little pause too, like, hmm. <laughs> if he had a microphone, he would have dropped it right in front of you. Just like, like don't, don't tell Vince, but I got the perfect gimmick. Guys, 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 this is gonna change the business. <laughs> this is gonna change the business, brother. Uh, <laughs> uh let's see here. Uh any any actually I wonder to this. Any workers ever try to Maybe at the end of the show, try to try to maybe finagle a little bit more money out of you for the show. Last second, like, hey, I know we agreed on this, but um, no. Uh, the only the only thing similar to that, I had some uh, I booked some minis for a show in uh, San Francisco. I won't say who it was, but uh, there was four minis, and there was a, the main guy that I booked, and so he gave me everyone's price. I'm like, okay, that's fair. You know, we'll do that. So, you know, I booked them all. And then it was the day of the show before the show started. He comes up to me and he goes, hey, by the way, at the end of the night, you give me everyone's pay. And I was like, don't don't give it directly to them. Give it to me and I'll give it to them. I'm like, oh, OK, this dude's doing some side sh- dirty <laughs> shit right there. Yeah, uh, that was. Yeah, that's the only thing I can think of. But the uh, funny story from that night was that uh, half halfway through the show, my car got hit by a drunk uh, driver. Like. He took hilarious out four, so far. Yeah, he hilarious took out so yeah, exactly. He took out four cars, and my car took the heaviest blunt of, of the force of it all. And then this guy was trying to get away, and and getting away, his car was already jacked up. He ran over a homeless dude, and like crashed against the wall. And the only people that saw this because they were smoking outside was like Jason Styles, uh, Ryan Von Cool, and Chico Navarro. Uh, so they ran because they saw the whole thing unfold. They ran, got the guy, and I think they got they clobbered him up a couple of times to get a couple of punches in there, and they held him down until the cops came. But anyways, I'm outside. I'm pissed off. You know, the, the one mini wrestler that wanted everyone's money, I just paid everybody. He's like, fuck you. I don't give a fuck, you know. And then uh, on the drive back to the hotel, we still had – my car was still running – but my bumper, my back bumper had fallen off. So I'm like, well, I need to take this with me. So I had the minis in the back seat holding my fucking car bumper till we got to the hotel. That was a, that was a, that was a sight to see. Oh my gosh. I wonder if the other minis were like, hey, how come we got paid more for the show than we normally do? I know, right? <laughs> you started a, a mini revolution, pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Any other fu- funny moments from from shows? The hardest you've laughed maybe at a show? Something that you found hilarious? Um, it was an indie lucha show that I went to in um, Yuba City, somewhere up there. Uh, the show ran. The show was an hour late to start. The promoter was drunk as fuck. I was there because I went with a couple luchadores and uh, luchadores and. Uh, it was just a shit show, dude. That the the bottom uh, the bottom card was made up guys that were untrained. One guy broke his fucking arm during a second rope slash because they they were just all over the place. That wasn't funny. That injuries are never funny. But uh, they had a, a taco lady in, inside the building. It was like a warehouse, and she was uh, she was making her food and she was cooking peppers. So fucking steam from the peppers was making everybody cough. It was like tear gas. The whole fucking venue was like tear gas. It's chemical warfare. Yeah, one, show. yeah. One of my, uh, um, it was Jason Styles. I went with Jason Styles. He he was working a match up there. 
and his wife was pregnant at the time, so we had to get her out of there. It's like, dude, you're you're inhaling all these fucking chili pepper fumes. Uh, so that you know stuff like that, I, I always laugh. You know, I, I like being. A, I was drunk as hell too, so I was, you know, yelling and, and shit like that. I like to I like to watch shows too. You know, um, just go and have a good time. You know. Well, I remember one time we we me you my cousin we all decided. Okay, we're just going to go like be full on marks for the day. We decide we're going to go to a WWF house show. Oh shit. We're just going to we're just going to drink in the parking lot. We're going to tailgate at a house show. We're going to yeah. tailgate at the house show. We're going to go in. We're going to like yell the whole time. Like we're going to like fully just mark it out. And it yeah. was awesome because we got to see Eddie Guerrero when he was world champion yeah. that night. That yeah. was probably one of the funnest shows. And it was funny because I forget where it was. But I remember we went in there, we had floor seats and mm -hmm. the floor like wasn't marked correctly. And we were like, we can't tell if these are our seats. And the guy's just like, eh, sit down. We we're like, <laughs> <laughs> like there was like no order at all. They were just like, whatever, just have a seat. We're like, okay, sure. Uh, but that, that was fun. I love yeah, stuff like there, that is. There's a couple of, of, of drunk uh, WWF shows for sure. I feel like, especially uh, when you when you work in the indie world or help out at the indie stuff, I feel like it, it got very easy in the early 2000s to get very smart marky, you know, to be like, well, now that we kind of know the ins and outs of the business, you yeah. know, I'm, I'm not like these other fans that cheer at shows and get marked out or whatever. But yeah, yeah. That, that's kind of at that point, what's do you want a show where it's just the entire crowd is just silently judging how the match is going and how every no. single move is going? Oh, that was a botch. Oh, yeah, it was a botch. Like, is that what you want? No, hell no. No, like, you that's have a lame. Good time. You know, now now I've been going to a lot of big-time wrestling shows, and it's cool. You know, you got the bar there. You, you know everybody there, you know. Uh, a lot of people remember you from the shows. Like, oh, you know, you were cheering. You were going, ah. So they started doing the, ah. And every yeah. time or Jerry came out. Uh, so yeah, you know, it's fun. You know, I, I like to, I don't know about, I don't know if I'll ever promote again. Um, just cause I'm already doing too much other stuff, you know, doing stand up and doing a uh, uh, filmmaking stuff. Uh, but I do miss it. You know, I do miss putting a card together, you know, getting these guys, you know, pairing up the matches and, and all that stuff. But, but it is a lot of work, you know, it, you have to be a certain type of person to, uh, uh, to keep it going you know for me it was a hobby but it was a cool you know I, I think i helped a lot of people uh especially when jason was training we had the training school so it was kind of cool to see all these all these uh students like they're they're still working indies like they and a lot of people you you see them are like oh this this person i don't think they're, they're gonna finish training like they're gonna they're gonna quit in a week and so it was kind of cool to see the people that didn't yeah do you uh, find that maybe when you were just doing camera or just doing this, uh, the second you were maybe a little bit more useful to workers, that somehow some of them started being just a little bit nicer? Because it is oh, the, yeah. the indie wrestling business is very much like that. <laughs> oh, dude, you know, it was uh, it was uh, the first time I did a music video for a wrestler. It was like, holy shit, I want one. How come that guy got one? You know, it's like, hey, let me uh. You know, we'll be on a road trip. Like, I, I got your, I got your meal, dog. You know, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, no, for sure, no, for sure. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, speaking of which, of, we were talking I, I a lot of videos for a lot of people. Speaking of which, we talked a little bit. We mentioned uh, the show being in like Yuba City. I wonder if there are still shows going off. I feel like before 
like you wouldn't see shows in San Francisco or San Jose. You what you would see is shows in like Ukiah and Yuba City oh, yeah. and King oh. City. Like it was all like in the cuts. Yeah. And I kind of wonder like you know now that like stuff like New Japan comes to San Jose, I'm like I wonder like is there still like indie shows like in these in these like you know little areas? Um, there is, uh, but they're. I don't know. They're more well organized, but I don't think they're like an APW now is not going to little towns like they used to. Um, Pro Wrestling Iron tried it and they weren't successful at it. You know, we went to a show in Ukiah that I just captured the other day. Actually, there was like nobody in the crowd. Yeah. And we had what? Like, uh, wasn't Juventud Guerrero there? No, this one was uh, I'm sorry, not Ukiah. uh, Angels Camp. Oh, Angels Camp. Okay. Ukiah was Juventud Guerrero, though, right? Yeah, uh, Hubi was in that one. Uh, Ukiah uh, was decent. That was Iron's first ever show. That was a decent crowd, and it was there were some really good matches on there. But uh, one they did years after was an Angels Camp. There was nobody there, dude. And they had you know Christopher Daniels. They had Big Grimes against uh, Bison Smith, who had a great match. Uh, but yeah, there was like nobody there um, because I think they were trying to do that model that APW did about going to little towns and. I remember there was a whole tour, and collectively, they might have drawn 150, maybe. This is a four-town tour. And they had a band with them, too. They had a metal band. That's how indie wrestling goes, though. Like, you never know. You never know. Sometimes you can be super hot, and, like, the next time you're like, whoa, how come there's nobody here? What's happening? I always wanted to – anytime I promoted, I wanted to make sure I was promoting somewhere where I I could physically go out and hand out flyers and put up posters – if I have radio or TV spots, I want to make sure they're playing. So a lot of these, you know, if you go to Ukiah or Angels Camp or uh, Galt or Lathrop, you don't know if your stuff's playing or not, you know? Yeah. You're not there every weekend handing out flyers. Um, and you might not even be, you know, like, you might not, like, you know, necessarily know what the culture of the city is. like. Yeah, they had, there was, uh, there was a couple of luchadores that got together and they tried to get me to invest they were doing a show in uh, Idaho. <laughs> they were like, hey, we want to do the show. Because they did it one time, and I think they drew okay. So they wanted to, hey, Idaho's the way to go. Idaho's the way to go. It's like, dude, I'm not going to put money down for a show in Idaho. And sure enough, they didn't draw anything. And uh, a lot of them started fighting internally because, no, oh, you owe me money. No, you didn't pay for this. So it was a disaster. Why would you? I don't know. Unless you had a local promoter there that guaranteed me some money, like, okay, this is, I'll pay you, this is, you know, I'll pay for the show and then I'll worry about advertising. And also just knows the city, like, you know, well, shows tend to do this here. This is what they yeah. like here. Like, you know, every wrestling, that's the thing about indie shows, especially, like, it's not like, you know, when the WWE tours around the country, because everyone goes there to see the WWE. They expect to see the WWE style. They expect to see this and that. Different cities are different. Yeah. You know? Some places around here, they just want to see two big guys smacking the crap out of each other for, for 10 minutes. That's all they care about. They don't give a yeah. shit what kind of moves you do. <laughs> and some places, you know, they might have a little bit more of the modern quote unquote wrestling fan who are like, you know, I want to see some, I want to see some shit. Like, this is what yeah. I want to see, you know? You never know. It's, it, it all depends. And if you don't know the city, yeah. you know, you don't know, you don't know what to do. Um, so let's go ahead, brother. The Booker has run out. He's pissed off. It's going too long. It's time to take it home, brother. You All right. With the pen? Yeah. You remember that from the exposing the... Yeah. Whatever the fuck it was called? Or as we physically seen, 
uh, a promoter running out going, take it the fuck home, boys! <laughs> <laughs> Just yelling in front of the whole I'm, crowd. I, I've done that in one of my shows. Because uh, the luchadores, they tend to fucking go out there forever. It's like, dude, <laughs> like, vamonos, vamonos. So I'm doing camera and going, vamonos, vamonos. And then most of the time they're like, oh, it's time to take it home. Okay, cool. Let me start this 10 minute sequence. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. All right. Uh, favorite move or hold? Um, I'm going to go with the flashy move. Um, I'm going to say the Dragon Rana. Uh, Dragon Kid, uh, uh, Dragon Rana. I think I, I think I think it's cool, you know, to do the front flip back, back into a Rana, especially when he does it as quick as he does. I, I always thought that that was a really cool flashy move. Yeah, I noticed on the WCW stuff, uh, when some of the different Hurricane Ranas happen, like, the crowd reacts like they just saw, like, the first time someone pulled out a table or a chair. Like, they act like it's the craziest thing they've ever seen in their life. They're like, I can't believe anyone could even possibly do this. Yeah. I think it was like when uh, when Hoovy did, uh, there was a guy uh, sitting on the top rope, and Hoovy from the inside of the ring, no, from the, from the apron... He jumped on the middle rope, springboarded onto his straight onto his onto his chest, and then Hurricane rotted him outside. And everyone was like, "Like you, it, it was about the same pop as like you know Vic Grimes doing the table bump from from like the, yeah. everyone thought it was the craziest thing they ever seen." Just goes to show how how much wrestling has changed since then. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, when you're watching or booking a match, uh, what's the worst thing the two workers could do in the ring that you're just like, "No, let's not do this." Um, I've always hated, and this is just a personal thing. I always hated when the when the rudos or the heels will do the, uh, all right, we're leaving, well, we're done with this match, and then they leave, and it just takes forever for them to come back. I understand, like, yes, you have to hype up the, you know, the crowd, and they have to be angry at you. But I've always hated it, especially when it would happen back to back, like this match did it, and now this match did it too, mm. and it's like, oh, come on. Yeah, I would say that. And then they, uh, then they're about to get back in the ring, and they go right back out, and they just do yeah. the walk again. You're like, yeah, but that can, that can be, you know, that could be a promoter thing. The promoter did not tell them like, you know, only one match, you know, can do this or you know. Yeah. I, yeah, I learned I learned a lot from just you know booking uh, shows all these years. It's like you have to physically tell every match, okay, this is they're doing this, so don't do this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because we've had instances where like they. Uh, some people were taking, we had a, for example, we brought in super crazy and he also did a seminar the day before the show. So we did the seminar with super crazy. So he was going through some, uh, uh, spots with them. Okay. Do this, do this, do this. Well, guess what happened the next day at the show? We had like three, di- three different workers doing the same fucking spot. Cause they had just learned it. So it's like, like, Oh, that's oh, cool. Yeah. I want to try that out. And on top of that, super crazy did it too. So it was like, Oh, that's yeah. pre- that's perfect. There you go. Yeah. Uh, when's the last time uh, you were legitimately surprised by a worker? Maybe watching or booking a guy. You thought, oh, this guy's okay, and it turned out he was great. Or maybe you thought he was bad. It turns out he was good. Just someone that you were surprised by when you saw them in the ring. Um, I was surprised by a student um, who, who works now. Uh, you know Boone. Mm. Uh, Boone came in to uh, the first time we opened the school in Hayward. Uh, he came in and uh, I was like, oh, this guy wants to be a ref or something. And now he's like, I like Lucha Libre. Uh, I want to train Lucha Libre. And I'm like, so what is what do you want to do with this? Like, what's your goal? And he goes, my goal is to go to, to Hood Slam, to, to wrestle for Hood Slam. So I'm like, well, they got a school too. You know, it's not that far from here. We're in Hayward, they're in Oakland. And 
He goes, yeah, but I want to learn Lucha Libre first. Like, I have a really – his favorite wrestler was uh, Mascarita Dorada. Um, or, you know, Torito from the uh, – what are they called? The, the Matadors or what the hell? What are they called? Yeah, the El Matadors or whatever. Yeah, I forgot. Like, yeah. Anyways, uh, but, yeah, no, I, he was a guy that I looked at. I was like, he's not going to finish, you know. And sure enough, he did. You know, he, he – um, he was with us for two, three years, and he started making. Uh, he started working matches, and uh, he's not the most athletic guy, but he's got a lot of heart. And the crowd was behind him. And then, sure enough, he's working for Hood Slam now. So he he uh, achieved his goal. He achieved his dream. So that, I think that you know that's very cool. And it definitely took me by surprise. Like, oh shit, this guy stuck it out. And he's a really good friend of mine. He, I also put him in like short movies, and he's always down to help out. He helped me out a lot doing uh, the flyers and posters for the show. So. Yep. Oh, very nice. Awesome. Shout out to Boone and check out Hood Slam. You see him on there. Uh, let's see. What's uh, your 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 pure? I like to ask this question: uh, the pure joy in wrestling, the moment when you see it happening in the ring, you get like ah, like this is like this is my moment. I love this. I love when this shit happens. This is some good shit. Like what is what is those that moment in the ring for you? I'll- I like uh, I like it when the crowd's happy. I like it when the crowd's enjoying the match or what's going on in the match. You know, I like when the crowd reacts when they're supposed to. Um, especially in Lucha Libre, there's a lot of spots that uh, some of them are comical on purpose because they want the crowd to to uh, to laugh. They want them to have a good time. You know, they know there's kid there's kids in there too, so they do something. So I, I like I like that. I like when the crowd leaves happy. I like when the crowd reacts. Um, I was always a stickler for time, starting on time for shows and getting everybody out in time. Like, I really do not enjoy long shows at all. Like, my shows ran maybe maybe two hours, if that. You know, I'm just trying to think uh, the length of a movie. You go to movie theater and you're there for a certain amount of time and then you're out. That was my philosophy. Get these people in and out. I love the people. I want them to... but. I also want them to feel like, dude, that doesn't that show did not feel tiring. I have been to shows like PWG. I stopped going to PWG because it was like, oh my god, this is a long ass show and every match is insane. Um, so yeah, my I think my joy is to make the people happy, the people that pay the ticket, that they leave happy. Yeah, I've I would say like especially with crowd reaction, you know, we've learned now that empty arena shows are kind of a pain in the ass because that crowd reaction actually makes a huge difference. But I remember we would go to watch indie shows and whenever there was like, you know, a a less than stiller crowd, there wasn't a lot of people there or people weren't paying attention. We would see dudes that we know are good workers and they would pull off like some chain wrestling or do something that we know was like, this is some great stuff. And they would like, you know, finish a sequence and we would and it would just get like nothing. Yeah. And it was just it was such a bummer because it's like that deserves so much more. It's like a great joke with no laugh. You're like, what? What's wrong with you people? This is bullshit. Yeah, that yeah. Take, that, going back to when we used to go to shows and get faded and enjoy the shows, there was an instance uh, we saw, uh, I was really, really drunk, and we watched uh, Kurt Angle and Benoit, I think it was, and they were putting this great display of wrestling, and nobody was reacting to it, to the point where I got mad, and I started yelling at the crowd around me, what the fuck is wrong with you, and I'm spilling my beard, I was like, oh, it's embarrassing now, but it was like, you guys aren't enjoying what's going on right now, you know? You guys are waiting for Sable or whoever. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh, Sable. That voice. That voice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, careful. We talked about uh, her husband earlier. You could oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> run away. <laughs> uh, any any interesting pranks or embarrassing stories between like workers or wrestlers or people working the show or anything like that? Uh, embarrassing. Uh, I had a I had an embarrassing moment when uh, Lewis and I went to uh, this promotion called NPW in SoCal Millennial or Millennium Pro Wrestling Millennium Pro Wrestling I think. And um, they let us they let us uh, record their show, and so I had uh, I think I had the, the ringside camera or something I don't know I was I was on on like this little elevated stage, and a wrestler had just passed away in SoCal that was well known I forgot his name but he was like UPW wrestler, and there were like you know this person passed away so you know in his memory we're gonna do the the ten bell salute, and then so we're all. We're all quiet. The crowd's quiet. I'm quiet. And then there's nothing going on. There's no bell salute. And, you know, I'm kind of looking around and I'm noticing that everyone's staring at me. Like the whole crowd is staring at me and the ring announcer in the ring is staring at me and he's doing this. They didn't assign anybody to ring the bell. And I, I was right next to it. I didn't even realize I was right next to the bell. So I had it, you know, like, oh, oh, shit, you know, ding. You know, I'm like, I don't know this person. I don't know this promotion. And and now you look like an asshole because it looks like you forgot you were supposed to do it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I'm just like, oh, this sucks. It's a sad situation. And it's, you know, <laughs> oh, and man. I'm horrible at math, too. So it took me. I'm like, I really have to concentrate. One. <laughs> do i feel like just because of that situation because it's so quiet i would i would question how many times i've hit it like 800 times i'd just oh, be like dude yeah six right am i saying the number before or after i hit it six seven yeah. now it's seven shit i don't yeah and it's you know and it's a sad it's a sad situation and i'm over here like oh fuck i forgot how to count to ten. <laughs> oh man yeah, uh, was, I think pretty embarrassing. <laughs> that's a great, that's a great one to end on. That's fantastic. Uh, so go ahead and, uh, you mentioned, uh, you were doing some comedy stuff. You're doing some comedy shorts. Uh, I've seen some of them. They're hilarious. You should check them out. Go ahead and promote that stuff. Where can people find, uh, your videos that you've made? Yeah, you can, uh, go to YouTube and uh, look up running chef, running chef productions. Uh, we're also on, uh, Instagram as running chef productions. You can find my personal, I'm mainly on, on uh, Instagram more than anything. Uh, JX Cruise 510, JX Cruise 510 on Instagram or Facebook. Also follow, uh, even though we don't do shows anymore, follow Arena Hayward on Instagram and Facebook because I am changing that URL to the new project we're, we're uh, going to be doing. But uh, you could also watch old clips and old pictures from Arena Hayward. Um, there's a lot of cool pictures there. There's stuff with Bailey there, uh, Jason Styles and Luchador is super crazy. And it's a lot of cool stuff on there. A lot of cool pictures. Very nice. Well, thanks again for coming on the uh, podcast. I appreciate Thank it, sir. Thank you, brother. All right. You have yourself a good day.